All right, John, thank you very much. Appreciate it. I am Chris Cuomo, and welcome to Primetime. Now, tonight, we're going to take on the toxic cause and effect, the root cause of everything that is wrong with our politics that literally makes people not just think, but do horrible things. There's now a term for it. It's called foxitis. And tonight, you are going to hear a man that calls what happened to him foxitis. And he's going to come on the show with his lawyer and explain to you why what he watched and what he heard led him to start thinking and believing in a way that led him to drive 11 hours to Washington, D.C. This man never even voted in 2016 or 2020. How did he get foxitis? What does that really mean? Is this a joke? He says, no, it's no joke. And he knows lots of people who fall into the same category. And it's very interesting because even if you don't do the terrible things, you don't commit the felonies, you're not one of the people, the hundreds arrested at the insurrection, you can still have the same sickness that leads you to believe the absurd. Listen to this woman. You guys both genuinely believe the election was stolen. Yes. Mm -hmm. Why would they have all those ballots hidden under tables? Why did that man drive that truck all the way across state lines well, it wasn't like the, with ballots? That's all been proven to be false. No? It has not. No. I watched it on TV. She didn't watch it on TV. She watched it on Fox. Okay. <clears throat> she watched it on hate TV. She watched it on a place that is in the business of propaganda. Oh, all the media is. It's not true and it needs to stop. You have to take every platform one by one. We're in a bad place, okay? I have countless conversations on the radio, derivative of this show, just living my life on the streets, where people don't believe basic things about the vaccine, basic things about the pandemic, basic things about the election. It is a big lie. And yes, it's very effective. But at some point, we have to examine the price. Now, you look what's happening in what used to be the grand old party. Again, you guys think I'm joking. I don't know what to call it. My friends who are Republicans won't own it. They say, I am not about that. Stop saying you, you people, you people. It's not me. It's not me. OK, I'm not one. Well, then what is the party now? One of the last truth tellers about the election in Congress from that party, Liz Cheney, is about to be voted out for just that, refusing to echo the big lie. House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy. Remember, this guy called in a panic during the insurrection, begging Trump to call off his dogs. He told people he said that. He told people he cursed at Trump. And now he's just lying to you. He's just changing the facts to make Trump a good guy. And he's one of the onlys who will actually talk about the insurrection. The rest of them say it was an insurrection. They weren't really armed. It's not that big a deal. But they just don't mention it. So McCarthy is now leading the effort to cleanse the ranks of anyone who challenges the big lie. He sends out a note about the upcoming recall vote on Cheney and then explains the recall vote by saying, we are a big tent party. And unlike the left, we embrace free thought and debate. 
Left has problems. Us saying right and left is proof of the problem. We don't even talk about the parties anymore. You know that I have said many times, and I believe that it is time for you guys to start talking about something better than a two-party system. You just don't have enough stakeholders that are given the empowerment of party right now. And us talking about ideological opposites is the proof of that. Now, the absurdity is, of course, whatever's going on on the left, and there are problems there. It's nothing compared to this. This guy feels that he literally can get away with calling himself the party of ideas and debate and big tent in the same note announcing the recall of someone for embracing the truth. And he thinks it's okay. Again, this is not the grand old party, okay? This is not about being conservative. It is about being reckless. And the problem isn't just the rhetoric. It's the real life implication. The big lie has states across this country echoing the animus in Congress, restricting voting rights potentially for millions of Americans, and a disproportionate number of them are minorities. That's the truth. Realities are getting ignored because of the big lie. How? You know there are big spikes in gun violence, okay? If you talk to people who own guns, like I do, you will rarely meet someone who says they don't believe in background checks. For all transactions, go ahead. Most of the people I know think you should be trained in how to use the gun before you get one. And you should have to recertify and you should have to show that you know how to store it safely. And if you don't store it safely, you should get as big a price on you as whatever that gun does. Now, the big lie has made it so that none of that gets dealt with. The big lie has the election problem get dealt with in 43 different states and in Congress. And it's not true. And what is true gets no attention. You see, it's not just talk anymore. The big lie isn't laughable. It is the linchpin that is keeping the wheel on the crazy train. And my first guest would have never thought about getting off that crazy train until he wound up facing five federal felonies, one of hundreds charged for the insurrection so far. So let's bring him in. The accused Capitol rioter, Anthony Antonio, and his lawyer, Joseph Hurley. Counselor, thank you for being with us. Uh, Anthony, thank you for being uh, with us. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. Now, to be very clear, I am not here to try your case, okay? I want you here to explain how you ever got in that place. And you say Foxitis is real. You started watching Fox, it then became Newsmax because Trump said it was more credible than Fox. But what was it that you were hearing that developed this kind of irrational animus that led you to go to Washington, D.C.? Well, sir, what what happened was, so when I was 18 years old, I was saved by Jesus Christ. I, I dedicated my life to the Lord. And last year, um, I honestly put a man above Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believed in man. Um, I believed what was being told to me. He was the president of our United States, and I believed him because he's the president of our United States. And so because of that, I went to Washington like he called us to, having no clue what to expect, having no clue what was about to happen. I just knew that the president of our United States told me to go there. Hey, Joe, when you first heard now, this, what happened? hold on a second. I want to get back to Anthony, but I just I, I want to have a little conversation here because this is very hard to believe, especially from somebody who says uh, that they have 
come to the reality that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior. The idea that Trump would somehow win out that position from Jesus is hard to accept. But Joe, when you first heard this, I'm not saying you're wrong, Anthony. This is your truth. I'm just saying, Joe, as a lawyer and somebody who's sober-minded and been around, lots of stories. When you heard this and then realized that it was being echoed by other people uh, who had gotten collared that day, when did it start to resonate as something other than a bad cover story? Well, let me tell you that I had vowed I would never represent any of the thugs that went down there. They all ought to be in prison for more years than I can count. Uh, Anthony came in sort of under the radar. I didn't know what his charges were. And he was with his father and himself. And I saw them and I tried to figure out, what's this guy doing in here? And he began to tell me his story. And I first realized because of his truthfulness, his calmness, and his tears, particularly when he talked about the police officer being bounced down the steps and he was too cowardly to get involved, he, Anthony, to save him, that this is a bird of a different feather. And I realized this guy is being straight up honest, and he was honest from the first moment, and honest through the time with the FBI, and honest through the time of talking to the court, and we'll be honest with you. So, Anthony... So I realized it instantly. Okay. I'm watching, you're watching Fox. Now, what was it that you started to hear that impressed you so much that it made you forget your faith and replace it with faith in Trump? I would say basically I believe the president of the United States. I mean, ever since I was, you know, a little kid, I was told the president of the United States is is the man that that you you look up to. All right. As of right now, we've you know, only had a man in the White House as the president. And so that's who you look up to. Uh, that's who you follow. You know, the Bible calls us to follow government. Um, and I got wrapped up in, in, in what was being told to me and in, in what was uh, what was on the TV, what the media was proclaiming. Not the media. Um, Fox. Um, you know, it's a distinction with a difference. What were you hearing and seeing be reinforced that made you so revved up? I would, I would basically say, uh, you know, I, st- I really got into it when the election started. Um, you know, when, when election night happened and everything was going on, I, I truly believed that, that Trump won the election. Um, you know, as of right now, I acknowledge and I know that Joe Biden is our president. That's that's not a mystery. That's a fact. Um, but I felt like, you know, um, you know, maybe I believed that America was being robbed of of a president. And I now know that that was a lie. Did you not read or see anything else except what was on Fox and Newsmax and that whole ilk of uh, right-wing propaganda? Uh, you know, I, I can't recall everything that I saw. Um, I will be honest, it, you know, we're now, you know, how many months from it? Um, this is my first time on, 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 on live TV too. So it's one of those things where it's like, I can't recall every single thing um, that I saw, that I, that I heard and everything like that. Um, I can just say, you know, I believed what was being told to me. Do you blame Fox 
Chris, may blame, I say something? Yeah, hold on one second, Counselor. Do you blame Fox? Do you blame former President Trump? Who do you blame? I blame myself. I take full accountability for my actions. Um, and because of that, you know, I have gone to God and asked for forgiveness. I've prayed, God, please forgive me. I take full responsibility for, for my actions. I'm not, this isn't a cop-out, right? God tells us to come to him and beg for forgiveness. And that's what I've done. And that's what I asked for America. I asked for America to please forgive me. I shouldn't have been there that day. I shouldn't have been involved on those Capitol steps. You've seen the pictures. There's no secret. But I pray, like I pray to God, that you please forgive me. And that's all I can really say. When did you realize you'd been misled? I've realized I've been misled a few days after, uh, immediately after. What happened that day should not have happened. And I don't care who you are, what happened that day and what I saw that day should not have happened. We should not attack law enforcement. We should not attack our American government. The Bible does say no violence. The Bible does say to follow the government, whether you believe them or not. And that's the stance that I hold. Um, and I regret my actions that day, and I take full, full responsibility for them. Counsel, I'm sorry I cut you off. What did you want to say? Don't be sorry for cutting me off. What I wanted to say is, and what has been totally overlooked in my presenting him to the public, for the purpose not of saying let him go, but for the purpose of saying the guy that walks away with the orange face is the guy that ought to be standing up here and having the guts to admit what he's caused. What Anthony did that has been overlooked is, and it's on video on YouTube, he stood at the Capitol steps after telling the police that he was going to try and calm the crowd down, and you hear his voice crying out, be quiet, quiet down, and somebody hands him a bullhorn, and he says, this is supposed to be a peaceful demonstration. This is supposed to be a peaceful demonstration. Sit down. They start circling them and say, are you a cop? And he got out of the way for a moment. You then see Anthony positioned in a doorway with his back toward the surging mob and the police standing in front of Anthony as he's trying to use his body to prevent the crowd from getting to the police. And that is in video. Your eyes will not lie to you. Well, so true. this guy that went down there with no weapons went down there and tried to do the best he could. And like the rest of us, there was moments of weakness where he didn't do well, just but, the right, perfect thing. Again, I'm not here to litigate the case, not because I can't, but because it's frankly not my interest. Uh, my interest is understanding the motivation. But to be very clear, Counselor, uh, it's the moments of weakness are all that matters, right? The client was also there doing lots of violent things with a tactical vest on and a three percenter badge, which is a question for you, Anthony. I get one thing if you say I'm a passive observer of all this information. I'm not even in the politics. I didn't even vote in 2016 or 2020. But this was, uh, you know, the the kind of faith that I had uh, invested in myself with religion that became misapplied. And why did you have a tactical vest on? Why did you have a three percenter badge? It's a bad group of people. So to comment on the three percenter badge first, um, I honestly had no clue what that group was or if it, that it was still a group. Um, I enjoy history. 
um, in, in, in school. I, I excelled at, at American history. Um, and I just assumed that 3%er meant, you know, people from that, that uh, you know, I, I want to say basically founded America. Um, I honestly really didn't fully understand what it meant. Um, and I will say, you know, after that day, I fully ripped that off and regretted every minute of having that on my vest. Do you consider uh, yourself vest? Do you consider yourself a white pride person? You think white people are better than no. non-white people? No, absolutely not. Because that's I what they're about. You know that, right? In God's I don't care eyes. how they define themselves. I did not know that. Look, I know what we are I in Jesus' eyes. Everybody should know what we are in Jesus' eyes. I did not know eyes. that. All right. Because, you know, that's the yes, point. Yes, we're all created equal. Right. That's the problem, Anthony, is that you wound up doing something that is anathema to your faith. And I know that there were a lot of people in I that crowd that. with you who call themselves Christians. But anybody can call themselves a Christian. I could call myself an imam right Absolutely. Now. It doesn't mean anything. We only know what we show. And so to the people who are going to watch this tonight, and I'm one of them, who will say, yeah, you're saying the right thing now. You're coached by a good lawyer who's telling you this is your only way. Uh, what do you want to say to them? I wasn't coached by anybody. Well, you got, you got I, a I good lawyer. I, I so wasn't he's telling, you know, So he's putting you in the right yeah. position. What do you say to people who say that's what I this wasn't, is? Positioning. Yeah. I wasn't coached by anybody. I'm, I wasn't put in, in a position. Um. I want to say that I made a mistake. I truly made a mistake. A mistake that I wish I could take back, and I know I can't. But what I can do is show to people that if you've made a mistake, it doesn't define you. Okay? What defines you is how you are in God's eyes. And that's the stance I take through and through. That's coming straight from the heart. That it doesn't, that what you've done in your past does not define you as long as you turn from it. I'm not a white supremacist. I'm not a three percenter. I'm not all these things that the media is trying to paint me. I made a mistake. I put my faith in something other than God and Jesus Christ. And that is the God's honest truth. And I pray today that people can truly see that in me. Because I wake up every day with the faces of the people. And I regret it every single day day of my life. What do you and that is the, the God's honest truth. What do you want the people over at Fox and what do you want the former president to know? Honestly? Yeah. That we need unity. That this world needs to unify. This country needs unity and we need to stop being divided and we need to come together, show love, show God's love and be unified as one. And that's coming straight from my heart. And that's what I not only want Fox, CNN, President, past President Donald Trump, I want the world to know, because I, I understand the world's going to see this, that we need unity and we need to stop being divided. And I understand that I was a part of what divided a lot of us. And I, again, beg for forgiveness every single day. Anthony, I appreciate Chris, can you. Give me thirty seconds. You, well, I'll get, yeah, I'll give you last word. Go ahead. Thirty seconds. That's all. Go ahead. I followed your career. I bought this shirt three years ago because in two thousand one I got kicked off of uh, MSNBC when they were auditioning me as a legal correspondent because I said BS, but I didn't use the initials. 
I bought this shirt three years ago, and I thought someday I may end up on Chris Como's show because I've watched your career. You're an excellent cross-examiner. You would have been a fantastic prosecutor. Number one, I'm not a good attorney. I am a superb attorney. Number two, I am an honest attorney. Number three, I did not coach one single word or put it in his mouth. It's him and him alone. Number four, in your leading question, you said, well, you've done a lot of violent things. One, he got a face mask to put it on so he wasn't getting juiced in the eyes. Two, he threw a bottle at a protester who was going to pummel that cop, and because it went in the direction of the cop, they said he threw it at the cop who's being dropped down to the ground. Number three, he climbed in a window and tried to put furniture up against the door so the police wouldn't come in because he heard that somebody had been shot dead and he was trying to prevent violence. That is not doing a lot of violent things. Excellent questions, leading questions, but not accurate. The answer goes to the accuracy. Five felonies uh, speak for themselves. I didn't mean coached in terms of told what to say. But a good lawyer helps somebody how, how to put on their best representation of themselves in a case. That's what I mean. Counselor Hurley, I appreciate you being here. Anthony, thank you for taking the opportunity. Okay? Thank you, sir. Thank All you. Right. All right. Be well. My next guest says the GOP was hijacked and that this is part of the same dynamic and that it is no longer the grand old party. And in fact, it cost him his job. Charlie Crist is a Democrat now, and he's trying to unseat one of the loudest voices in the MAGA movement. What does this mean about what's happened and where we're headed? Next. So look, you only have to open your eyes and see what's happening with Liz Cheney. And again, be clear. I'm not canonizing Liz Cheney. I'm not saying that she's somehow some kind of perfect virtue signaler for what our politics should be about. I'm just saying she's an actual Republican, a conservative, who is unwilling to peddle the big lie. That's her virtue. That's what everybody's giving her this gold star for. She's just telling the truth about an obvious situation. And that warrants the death penalty in her party right now. That's the only question is going to be, you know, after she loses her conference leadership post, if that happens this Wednesday, well, then what? Can she even get elected again in that party? This vote comes less than two weeks after Cheney and President Biden shared a fist bump before his address to Congress. Now, some would see that as what it was, which was simple respect, right? But not these days. Not these days. It made her a target in Trump land. This is like when um, Governor Chris Christie in New Jersey hugged Obama after Superstorm Sandy for coming to the state and recognizing the need. Reminds of somebody else. You know who else knows the price? Florida Governor Charlie Crist. He was once Republican through and through. Everything about what he wanted, how he thought it should get done, and how he talked the talk. Then he hugged Obama. And Chris says that hug killed his career as a Republican. He would go on to run unsuccessfully for governor again as a Democrat. It was a tight race, but the price was paid. He's now a congressman, and he's trying once more to win the nomination for governor and take on Ron DeSantis, who is strong in Trump land. He joins us now. It's good to see you, sir. Good to see you, Chris. Thanks for having me. That kid, Anthony, is scary. 
okay, um, who was just on the show. There are yeah. a lot of people, they won't put it the way he did, but they see, they hear, and they believe with a devout adherence. And someone like you, you hug Obama, that closet Muslim, non-American hater and this and that and all the other BS they get fed there. And how surprised were you at how real they take the delusion? Uh, pretty surprised. Um, you know, I was raised here in St. Petersburg, Florida. My mom and dad raised me and my three sisters to treat other people with respect, with decency, frankly, to practice the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would have done unto you. And, you know, the notion that I would appear with a Democratic president, an African-American Democratic president, as a Republican governor, and the backlash I received from that, that was used in my subsequent campaigns against Marco Rubio, against Rick Scott, that photograph of being hugged by the president uh, as a derogatory photograph, uh, it was pretty shocking. You know, I would have hoped that we would have been much more beyond that kind of politicization or utilization of race as a factor in a race. But, Chris, the, the harsh reality that we all know, I think, is that uh, systemic racism does still live in our country. And it breaks my heart. I mean, all you have to do is look at the George Floyd case and we know it's real. It's very, it's very sad. Now, is it true uh, that you don't really believe much differently in terms of policy, concept of good governance, um, what should be demanded of taxpayers? That, that's not true. You didn't have some revival and decide that, uh, you know, you, you want to be the next incarnation of the big deal. Uh, this is about what for you? Changing parties and wanting to take on DeSantis. Well, I changed parties about 10 years ago. And as I said then, I'll say again now, I didn't leave the Republican Party, it left me. And, and look at it today. I mean, it's truly metastasized, if you will. What's happening to Liz Cheney is unconscionable. She's being demonized because she's being honest. I mean, is that what it's come to? Evidently so, at least temporarily, I hope. Um, it's, it's unbelievable. No, I haven't changed. I am who I am. And you know, I've always believed in trying to keep taxes low, supporting public education. I'm a public school kid, protecting the environment. It's hard as a Floridian not to care deeply about the environment. It's inextricably linked, after all, to our economy, tourism. Um, these kind of things I've not changed on. I really haven't. But I feel much more comfortable being a Florida Democrat than I did with my prior party. And there's good Republicans. Don't misunderstand me, Chris. And, and I believe they're out there. I know that they are moderate, reasonably minded people. But they're getting intimidated as Liz Cheney is being intimidated as we're watching this play out. And it's, it's disturbing and it's sad. You think you can win the governor's race in Florida if you say the words systemic injustice or systemic racism against Ron DeSantis, who is making hay yeah, by well, saying it doesn't exist? So you've got to factor that in, Chris. But I really do believe in the goodness of people. And I certainly believe in the goodness of my fellow Floridians. And I know there's more of them that believe in being decent to other people, whether you're gay, straight, black, white, whatever country you come from, Greek immigrant grandfather like, like mine. You know, it's, it's really boils down to being good to each other. And I believe most Floridians believe that. I, I know it in my heart and soul. I went shopping tonight at the Publix, you know, had to pick up a sandwich to get dinner. I've been campaigning all day and on the phone. And, you know, so I go there and people are incredibly kind, very nice, uh, warm, frankly, 
And I don't know what party they were. They were just good Floridians. And uh, I love them and I appreciate them very much. How strong a signal are you getting sent about what you're up against in terms of how people see you as, I guess, what would you be? You'd be a traitor or a turncoat or whatever it is, uh, and wanting to go against one of Trump's guys. How, uh, how strong is that feeling I, towards you? To be honest, I don't feel that really at all. I mean, there's an element of it, Chris. I'm not naive. And I understand that that still exists to some degree. But like I say, you know, that's been about a decade ago, uh, almost a lifetime ago in politics, if you will. And, and I think people recognize that I'm a Florida Democrat. You know, I'm still a physical conservative, social progressive. Uh, I really haven't changed. I believe the things that I believe. Uh, I believe in doing unto others. And I believe in a bright future, uh, certainly for the Sunshine State. And I know that Florida deserves better than what we're getting right now. We don't need a mini Trump in the governor's mansion. DeSantis plays a lot of the same games. Um, yeah. Hearing that kid, Anthony Antonio, again, you know, people will believe him or not believe him, whatever. Uh, I think that he is instructive of the point. I've heard of a lot of people who are exactly like him. So he's not a one-off. What do you want the former president and the current governor of Florida to know about the tactics that are involved here and what they're producing? That they're shameful. I mean, they really are. I, I mean, our governor signs a bill last week that makes it harder for people to vote in our state, suppressing the vote. Just what happened in Georgia and what's happening in Texas, as you know. Uh, you know, if you're doing that and you're the governor of the third largest state in the country, you're anti-democracy. You're trying to keep people from voting by making it harder for them to use mail-in ballots. I mean, my 88-year-old father, my 86-year-old mother love to use the mail-in ballots. It's really anti-democracy and anti-seniors here in Florida. I think it's a big political mistake if you want to know the truth. Whenever you do things like that and you overreach and you try to suppress too much or you don't listen to women and their right to choose, you know, these kinds of things come back to you. And I think that's going to happen in this race. And if anybody wants to help, please go to charliechris.com because we need the help. I'll tell you who you're going to have against you is the man who endorsed you in 2005 as being a great governor, um, Donald Trump himself. And that's something you'll have to contend with in this race if it gets competitive. Um, and we'll see how you do with that. And you will be welcome here to make your case to the people throughout. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate it very much. Congressman Chris, be, uh, be well. A cyber attack linked to a Russian criminal gang has crippled a key U.S. pipeline. Now, I know this isn't getting the residents. I know there's nothing sexy about attacking a pipeline, but you do understand if you can manipulate the infrastructure of a country, you will bring it to its knees. This pipeline controls the flow of fuel to most of the East Coast. Do you know what happens if they had really brought it down and not just compromised it for a while for gas prices, the lines, the inconvenience, the anger? It's one of the reasons infrastructure matters. And it's one of the reasons that stopping Russia from doing this really matters. Now, the senator who's kind of like the godfather of cybersecurity has been talking about this forever. And everybody always says, oh, yeah, well, we all do it. Well, now what? Next. The FBI says a criminal group based in Russia, known as Darkside, is responsible for the cyber attack on Colonial Pipeline. Colonial Pipeline is the company that delivers nearly half of all the fuel used on the East Coast. 
The pipeline is still largely shut down as a result. But the big concern, you know, specifically is going to be that you're going to see a spike in prices. Why? Supply and demand. You get that. But what about the bigger price of this happening again and again and more seriously, more seriously, because our infrastructure really isn't set up for this? Ransomware attacks are on the rise. They're getting bigger, more sophisticated, uh, outpacing anything we're doing to stop it. And as far as the FBI knows, this isn't even a state actor. It's just a criminal gang. Now, look, they know this stuff better than I do. And I've worked with the cyber guys there for many years. But I have to tell you, there's not a lot that happens in Russia that the Russian government doesn't somehow have to tacitly or openly endorse. The perfect guest to dive into this is Senator Angus King. He's co-chair of the Cyberspace Solarium Commission. Good to have you. Hey, Chris, good to be with you. Yeah, uh, it's been too long. I hope you're well. I hope all the mothers in your life uh, got their due yesterday. We had a great brunch with a lot of mothers. It was wonderful. So let's do this Socratically. I don't care. This is what people do. People hack all the time. America hacks, Japan hacks, uh, North Korea, South Korea, Russia. You all do it to each other. Uh, This is what it is. And it's just not worth getting that upset about. They'll figure it out. No, it is worth getting upset about because, Chris, we keep getting these uh, wake-up calls and we're not waking up. Uh, I said to somebody the other day, we're looking at the longest wind-up for a punch in the history of the world. And we got one over the weekend and we learned how vulnerable this pipeline system is. Uh, This is something I've been concerned with. In New England, we get 60% of our electricity from gas that's brought into the region by pipeline. And yet they don't have the same level of standards of cyber protection for the pipeline system that we have for the grid. But, but Chris, there's another, there's a bigger picture here. Uh, remember, we've all seen those posters from World War II, uh, loose lips, sink ships, do your part, they're doing theirs, that kind of thing. This is a new kind of conflict where it's not battleships and, and airplanes and armies it's the private sector infrastructure that's at risk. 85% of the target space in, uh, in cyberspace is in the private sector. And that's what we saw this weekend. Mm-hmm. And we're about to see the kind of disruption. And, you know, if you want another sample, it's what happened in Texas when the weather brought the grid down. But that could have just as easily been a cyber attack. And that tells you what the kind of impacts it could have. So why is this the only kind of attack that never gets anybody angry in America? If this had been human beings who did this with any kind of Russia connection, we would be on the brink of military conflict. God forbid if this had been Arabs or if these had been uh, Muslim extremists, uh, we would be on the brink. But when it's cyber, nobody seems to care. Is there something we can do to stop it? Yes, we can quit being a cheap date we can start responding, we can start imposing costs. And actually, the Biden administration about a month ago did impose some serious sanctions on Russia for the uh, for the solar winds attack last year. But we've got to up that game. The, 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 the sad truth is cyber is cheap. Putin can hire 8,000 hackers for the price of one jet airplane. So what they're doing, they're going to keep doing. Now, we don't know, as you pointed out, this is supposedly a criminal gang, but I'm not sure how you distinguish that 
uh, from whether or not they have some connection to the Russian government. Actually, it was sort of humorous today. Apparently, this criminal gang has a website. Right. And they went on their own website to say, we didn't have anything to do with the government. We just want the money. So it was pure ransomware. Now, we, we can't confirm that, whether it had anything to do with the government. But the point is, people who are doing this kind of thing to our country should pay a price. And they should know that they're going to pay a price. And that's the only thing that will deter it. Now, if this was a private, if this was a gang of some kind in Russia, if Russia was a responsible player on the world scene, they would impose penalties. They wouldn't tolerate this happening within their border. And that's part of what has to happen here. Uh, my promise. Let's do another segment on this. Uh, when you figure out the right fixes, for instance, uh, Biden's got a huge price tag on the infrastructure bill. Uh, there is money for the power grid, but it doesn't address specifically cybersecurity. And you also have 85 percent of the infrastructure is privately owned. So you've got to figure out how to get them to work in their own interests with government help. I know you're going to be on the answer side of this. When you figure it out, when you want to come on, the answer is yes. All right, Senator. We'll, uh, we'll be there. And uh, I, I've, got, uh, I've got some suggestions. We'll do it in uh, phase two, Chris. Thank you. Senator Angus King, be well. Always a pleasure. Thank you, sir. All right. The guy, uh, you know, let me tell you something. If you had 100 Angus Kings, we would not be in the situation we're in right now. He's an independent. He caucuses with the Democrats. But I've just known him for years. The guy's always straight. It is such a precious commodity now. All right. There's not one Republican in Congress who voted to help Americans with pandemic relief under Biden's watch. That is a fact. Okay. Now, governors are trying to take aid away from the jobless. And the list is growing. So I have a bolo for you, especially as Republicans are celebrating with one hand that they passed this at home and then taking it away with the other one. Next. Republican governors are seizing on Friday's job report to cut off aid to American workers. We saw it today. Alabama, North Dakota, Mississippi. They joined Arkansas, Montana, South Carolina, all of them cutting off the extra $300 a week to unemployed Americans. That comes as like the VIG from the federal government. The president is trying to push back with the power of the bully pulpit like this. So let's be clear. Our economic plan is working. I never said and no serious analyst ever suggested that climbing out of the deep, deep hole our economy was in would be simple, easy, immediate, or perfectly steady. The Treasury Secretary uh, said the same thing Friday. Look, soon we saw how disappointing April's job numbers were, right? You see that this isn't going to be a quick fix. Anything that takes a long time to get in, it's going to take you time to get out. When you separate the R and the D on this one and look at the reality, you're going to see this rush to oppose the White House is playing politics with people's lives. That money matters for Americans. OK, it's a reflection of need and also a reflection of how few people are paid well. People are literally starving in this country still. Look at the numbers. They are starving in a way in a way we've never seen since we've been alive. That's the impact of $300 a week. It can keep you out of that. When you get past the noise, you see people at the bottom who need the $300 the most. They are the ones getting up and going back to work quicker. That's because there are more hours available to work, especially at places like restaurants. Just because people pay $15 an hour, which again, is not like, you know, some king's ransom, doesn't mean they give you 40 hours. 
Take a look at the spike in April. We're still not talking about 27 hours a week, right? Uh, for the average worker, much less 40. Okay? So it's time and money. If the slowdown in April was about paying people too much in unemployment, then how come in states that already cut assistance, we don't see better hiring numbers? The answer is more complicated than a politician chasing a headline. Too many schools and daycares remain closed. What does that mean for parents? They got to wait. They can't work. They got to take care of their kids. Too many still don't feel safe going back to work. Why? Because the pandemic was real. All right. Think about every one of those videos you've seen on social media of people screaming at workers over masks. What kind of jobs do all those workers have? Lots of hourly workers are taking abuse, they're having a hard time, and they're scared, and for good reason. And most of them don't have the vaccine. For the bulk of the workforce, we're still talking about a third, around a third of people under 50 being fully vaccinated. Go back a month, those numbers are half of what they are now, okay? So it's not the extra 300. It's not all it is. Of course, it factors into people's decisions, especially when you don't have any money. It's taking that money away, especially right now when they need it so much because you think you're going to get them to stop being lazy. It is so broken and so obvious. So they got to choose between a virus that they're not really equipped for and going back to a place where they're probably not getting paid as much and relying on strangers for food in record numbers. You want to talk numbers, let's talk numbers. I have somebody who knows them as well as anybody. Catherine Rampell. What do you make, my friend? Good to see you. Happy Mother's Day. What do you make of the idea that you lazy bums, you just, you know, on that government teat and we'll get you off it and get back to work. That's the argument. Do you buy it? I think it's reasonable to believe that there are some workers who might be factoring into into their decision whether they go back to work and what kind of jobs they take, what their outside options are. And one of those outside options, of course, is to remain on more generous unemployment benefits than had been the case before the pandemic. So, yeah, I think it's reasonable to think that it's a factor that workers are considering, particularly if the kinds of jobs offer are maybe even paying less what they could get on unemployment benefits. But that said, it's one factor among many that workers are probably weighing. You laid out a few of them, right? If you don't have access to childcare, um, if schools are closed near you or other childcare facilities are, are not really operational, don't have slots for your kids, it doesn't matter if there's a job on offer. It doesn't really matter how well it pays if there's no one to watch your seven-year-old while they're doing their you know, remote schooling or what have you. If you can't get to work because a lot of areas of the country have cut back on public transit, hopefully some of that will be reversed. Um, but in the meantime, you know, if you are being offered a job that requires you to take a two-hour commute on multiple buses or whatever, it still may not be worth it to you, even if the job is offering $9 an hour instead of $7.25 or, or whatever they had been offering before. And then as you point out, you know, there are a lot of other reasons why jobs may not be super attractive right now, or at least public-facing jobs. You, there's the risk of illness, particularly if, if people aren't vaccinated. The workers themselves aren't vaccinated or customers aren't vaccinated. Workers have been kind of conscripted, whether they like it or not, into the culture wars over mask wearing. As you point out, there are a lot of these high-profile videos of consumer customers screaming at workers, even sometimes assaulting them. There are a lot of reasons why these jobs may not be super desirable to go back to. You can change some of the financial calculus here. You can say, okay, we'll take away your $300 a week financial supplement, but if there's still no one to watch your kid, 
then it will be very difficult for that particular worker to go back to work. So the compensation matters, particularly relative to unemployment benefits. I don't want to pretend it doesn't, but all of these other things matter too. It's also about why it matters, okay? You know, it's as much a lens into how low the pay levels are for workers in these job spaces uh, as it is anything else. Catherine Rampell, good to see you again. Appreciate you. We'll be right back. Thank you. I hope all the mothers and the mothers in your lives uh, got their due yesterday. Here's my mama. She got to see me. She's vaccinated. We're vaccinated. Uh, We don't have to keep the same uh, distance that we had been. It was so good for the kids, but I'll be honest, it was uh, better for me. Mother's Day really mattered this year. You know why? It's been so hard, one, right, in order to be with your loved ones. But the instruction and kindness, at the end of the day, what we all value about our mothers so much and so well is that they've shown us love in action. And they've showed us how to deal with bad situations without being bad in them. And we need so much more of that right now. I have my mom, and I'm going to bring in the big shot from CNN tonight, D. Lemon, because uh, my wife absolutely likes him more than she likes me. <laughs> um, but here is Christina. She got uh, a Tesla. Uh, she runs this wellness company called The Purist, so she's into all that. So we That's all got dog. into her car. <laughs> That's she, a dog. It was the first time she got the whole family in the car in years. And put back that other one. This is what a mother she is. <laughs> this is this dog she rescued that is one of the most vicious animals <laughs> I've ever been around. <laughs> and she literally diapered the dog when she was uh, going through uh, yeah. her, her cycle there. The first time. And that's who she is. She is love in action. She diapers all of us, one way or another. <laughs> um, I've witnessed that personally. And it's a powerful instruction. And thank you, brother, for coming with Tim, giving us the plant. Mom loves seeing you. Christina loves seeing you. Uh, it was great. And I just wanted to show up for a minute. I did not want to bust in on your family thing. You are family. family. Time. I know, but... But you're still wearing that mask and treating like I'm going to give no, you the no, cruise. No, 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 no. Here, let me tell you, and I do want to talk about that. Because I don't know how other people feel about it, so I do it out of respect. And if everyone says, you know, I saw your, your, um, Christina's sister, and she said, um, you know, I'm vaccinated. And I said, well, I am fully vaccinated. And we were all outside in front of the house, and so I took the mask off. I just do it because, listen, your mom or Christina, Christina's mom or someone, they may have an underlying condition. They may not have gotten vaccinated yet. And I don't want I I am a Southern gentleman. You absolutely I do are. it out of respect. You do. Until someone tells me otherwise. And, but... I'm kind of jealous that you got to spend it with your mom because I'd love to spend it with my mom. But my mom won't leave. She won't. I keep saying mom. She has to fly, though. Yeah, but she won't get on a plane and I'm, she can wear I a mask. I, I get why I she's said, spooked. mom, I'll send a car for you. I'll send a uh, one of those sprinters. I'll send. She won't do it. She won't. She hasn't been. I'm going to be honest. She's going to be mad at me. She chipped her tooth during the pandemic and she won't go to the dentist. And I say, mom, you can go to the dentist. It's safe. Sanjay's going to do a house call on her because I, this is real. People are having trouble reemerging into society. It's scary, Don, I have especially for people in their age bracket. Yeah. But, but she is fully vaccinated, Chris. I know. And if you are going to say during the entire pandemic, and I'm talking to you, mom, and I'm talking to you, my other friend, I won't say her name because she'll get mad at me. If you're going to say, I believe in the science and the scientists, then now on this side of the pandemic, then you must believe in the science and scientists as well. I agree. We're saying to you, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask outside. If you want to travel, you can wear a mask, follow the protocols. But it is 99.99 or whatever percent 
chance is that you won't get the COVID, you won't get COVID, then you should trust in that science as well and get back to your life. My mom is, is a, a woman of a certain age. I don't know how much time any of us has. I could walk out of here and get hit by a bus. I'm, I want to live my life. I want to see my loved ones. So can we get back to some semblance of normalcy? And we cannot be afraid to go back into normal I'm society. I'm with you, but it I will. Reality. Let me argue one it point defies for logic. I'll argue one point for your mom, okay? <clears throat> yep. And I'll put a little bit of stink on this, but I'll put more on Sanjay and then more on the government. Um, this messaging about the vaccine has not been good enough. They still make you feel like it's not like every other vaccine that you've ever had in your life, um, where you may still get it. You should still wear a mask. You can still have enough to be contagious. You can still spread it. You know, I get why people like your mom and my mom. Yeah did not feel the confidence that we were supposed to have in getting this vaccine. Messaging. And I still don't think they're allowing the numbers and the science to rule and they're giving people with vaccines even more latitude, especially yeah. now that you have people who don't want to get it. Yeah. Look, I have to say uh, there was so much I wanted to talk to you about, but you've got to believe in the science. You've got to believe in facts and you've got to believe in reality. I do. And I'm that, with you. And that goes for that interview. I got to run it so we can't really belabor this. That interview you did about two interviews ago. Um, do I believe the young man? Not really. Uh, I, I think it's a defense, this, this whole fox itis. It is a defense. But I think, I think it's just a defense. And I don't think you can use Jesus as an ATM or God as an ATM. And you can't keep saying, well, Jesus made me do it. God made me do it. So therefore, it's okay. If you want forgiveness, forgive yourself. And um, I, I, I do I just think, feel there are a lot like him but who, who got stuck in that silo. I do. There are a lot like him, but they are adults. And mm -hmm. they have to face the consequences, right? Agreed. You've got, you got to face the 100%. consequences. Yeah. And... Uh, let me just say this, but I do believe in this day and age that people are creating their own realities and in some ways they are believing it. And that is in large part because of the Trump and the Trumpists that they believe lies. You got people like Nunes suing cows because he like all kinds of weird, strange realities that people have and they believe it. They do believe it. They think it's real when it's 100 percent not real. So that, I think that's something that we're going to have to talk about. We're going to have to uh, dig into psychology. Psychiatrists are going to have to dig into it because people if, if Donald Trump tells them one plus one equals seven, they will believe that. And it is not true. If their politics and their ideology tells them one plus one equals ten, they will believe that. And it is not true. So we we have to get back to a fact based reality, not a post um, truth-based reality, which is what we have right now. We're living in a post-truth America, in a post-truth world, and I don't know how we get out of that, except you and I can every night continue to practice speaking the truth and responsibility. Amen. I love you, d -Lim. I love you, sir. I'll see you later. Good night. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 
and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.